Amen. If you have a Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to the book of Romans chapter 4. To the book of Romans chapter 4. And I know it's getting into the Christmas season, but this kind of goes along with what we looked at last week. Looking at, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. But I want us to understand, when God saves us, He does something much more than just forgive us of our sin. He actually, in spite of the fact that we have sinned, justifies us and declares us righteous. It's a big difference. That means he treats us as if we never, ever sinned in the first place. And that's hard to believe. That's about as hard to believe as believing that all the Democrats could one day wake up and say, we decided that Donald Trump's not guilty. And if you think that's hard to believe, it's even harder to believe that God looked at me one day and you and said, because of what my son did for him on the cross and because he has faith to believe in my provision, now I look at him and treat him as if he's never sinned. That's a hard thing to believe, and a lot of people have trouble believing it. And what you actually do is when you believe in God enough to think God is real and you understand he's holy, he's righteous and just, and he cannot have sin, you begin to try to find a way to get right with God. And if you don't choose God's righteousness, you end up trying to provide your own. And that's what man has done through the ages. But the only righteousness that can make us right with God is the righteousness that comes from God through Christ. And that's what I want to look at this morning here, this morning, as you look with me. He's writing, he's using Abraham. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified, focus on that word, by works, he has something to boast. What he said is Abraham was worked and he accomplished what it took for him to be justified by works. He has something to brag about. But look at verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but as debt. So if you're trying to work to provide righteousness for God, you're going to get what you're owed. But he says that's not how you acquire righteousness. And in verse 5 is the verse. I think this is probably... One of the most important verses, if not the most important verse in the book of Romans to understand it. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And then he uses the example of what we looked at last week. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those who all his deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. But look, more than just forgiven, look at verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does the blessedness didn't come upon the circumstance? No, I'm sorry, that's where we need to stop. But guys, God does more than just forgive us. I want you to think about this. Why is this important? Righteousness, according to what the source of righteousness is, this comes from a theology book called Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. The doctrine is the teaching that God always acts in accordance to what is right. Do y'all believe that? God cannot act in any way that's not perfectly right. 
And he himself is the final standard of what is right. So not only does God always act in a righteous way, he never makes an unrighteous, but he is the standard of all righteousness. Now that means I can't look at you and say I'm better than him or the standard that we're judged by when it comes to righteousness is God himself who is perfect, who always acts in accordance to righteousness. That's why Jesus says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We always take that, and that's what main preaching comes from that verse. But we don't like to look at this part. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know why no one can come to the Father except through Jesus? Because Jesus is the only remedy for our lack of righteousness. You see, all of us, no matter how hard we try and work, no matter how good we try, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So we're in desire, need of righteousness if we're going to ever come before the Father. And friends, listen what the Bible says about us. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of us are unclean before God. When I read this, I think of, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah, who was a godly man, a prophet, he, he seen the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. And when he seen him, the first thing he said was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, for I have seen the king. He said, I am undone. And friends, everywhere you look in the Bible, when people see God, they don't go, Woohoo! They go, Uh oh. <laughs> Because, friends, he's righteous, and we're not. Look at what he says. And all our righteous acts, that's our works, are like filthy rags. Friends, if you look at the King James, it says all of our righteousnesses, all of our righteousnesses, our our attempts to do righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to see, how do we get righteous then? Friends, look at this. But to him who does not work, first thing I want you to understand is you're not going to get right by God by working, by going to church, by trying harder, by reading the Bible more, by praying more. All these things are good and commendable things, and they help you in your relationship with God. But all they do is bring you to the place where you can get righteous. Righteousness is found in him. On him. And what do you do? You believe in him. And look at what he does when you believe in God and his righteousness. He justifies the ungodly. And the guy who puts faith, the one who believes on him, he justifies, is accounted for righteousness, your faith. Now, I want you to think about this with me. When you look at the book of Romans, one of the primary themes of Paul's book It's the greatest explanation of the gospel anywhere in the Bible. And as a matter of fact, I think if you only could use one book to lead people to Christ, Romans would be your best choice, not a gospel. Because Romans explains the gospel and how it works, and it shows our need for righteousness and to be justified better than any other book in the Bible. Paul is a genius at explaining the gospel. And friends, I want you to think about this. In the beginning of his book, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone who believes it. And then he says, for in it, 
the righteousness of God is revealed. So as you read the book of Romans, you're going to see the righteousness of God. That's the only righteousness that matters when you stand before him is revealed. And it says the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? Let me show you these words. Justified, righteous, and faith. That word justify means to be declared righteous. When God justifies, and it says God justifies the ungodly. How can he do that? How can God take an ungodly person and declare him righteous? Justified. You see, to be declared righteous means to stand before God not guilty as if you never sinned. And how does he do that? He does it through faith in the righteousness that he provided through Jesus. And what is faith? This is hard to believe that you don't work to get right with God. God did the work for you when he sent his son and Jesus died on the cross. God provided all the effort and did all the work that was needed for us to be saved. All we can do at our best is to believe it enough to trust it. Can you get an amen? And friends, when you believe it more than just an intellectual acknowledgement in my head that I think it happened, I hope it happened, when you believe enough to trust it that I'm putting my eternity in the fact that it happened and it can do what God said, that's what faith is. Faith is the ability to believe God enough to trust him. And he's using Abraham as an example of faith, what faith is. I want you to look down here. He's using Abraham. Look at chapter 4. Look down in your Bible with me and look at what he says about Abraham's faith. Look at verse 19. And he says, And Abraham not being weak in faith. Abraham not being weak in faith. You see, you can't be weak in faith and be able to trust God enough to be saved. Now it is the faith of a mustard seed, but I want you to see what he says. He did not consider his own body already dead. He was 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. God told him he was going to have a child and he believed it. It's impossible for a hundred year old man and a hundred year old woman to have a child. At least it don't happen. But listen what it says. When God told him that he was going to do it. Abraham believed him to the point he didn't waver because God said it. Look at the next verse. This is what faith is. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Guys listen. A man who's tossed to and fro, a man who's double-minded, he's not going to receive anything from God, James says. True faith says God said it, he promised it, and I believe that God is able to do what he said he's going to do because that's what Abraham did. Look at verse 20. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He didn't let unbelief make him doubt, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, what gives glory to God is when our faith is strong enough to believe what he said he can do. And I don't understand it. I never will figure it out this side of heaven. But in the cross is forgiveness and salvation and glorious redemption and deliverance. And it sets sinners free and it changes your life. And the blood washes you clean. And Jesus comes in and puts his spirit in you. And the old man becomes a new man. And old things pass away and all things become new. It's beyond other believing and explaining. But it's in the word of God. And friends, I want you to understand something. I, one day I got made righteous. Not because Marvin went to church, but because Marvin met Jesus. And in Jesus, you can be made righteous this morning. Everything you've ever done, every failure can be eliminated as if you never did it. Because God will justify the ungodly. But you've got to have faith. Look at what it says in the bottom part of that verse. Verse 21. And being fully convinced... 
that God, what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's what faith is. Abraham did not waver in unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. That means he didn't doubt a bit. He was convinced that if God said it, if he promised it, he was able to perform it. God said, if you'll come to my son, if you'll trust in my provision of Calvary, I'll not only forgive you, I'll justify you and I'll make you righteous. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but when we stand before God, that's a definitely needed commodity, amen, to be right before holy God. Friends, listen to this. The righteousness of faith justifies the ungodly. The righteousness of faith is what justifies the ungodly, not of works. That's what religions keep working on. That's what the universalist believes. That's why the universalist believes that there's ultimate and many choices to God. That you can come to God in different ways. But Jesus said, I am the only way. That no one cometh to the Father but through me. The apostle said that there is no name given under heaven by which men must be saved but Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no other way because Jesus is the only one who can make us righteous. Religion cannot do it. The do-gooder, he doesn't understand it. The universalist who thinks as long as I just believe in God, everyone's faith is equal if it's genuine. No, it's not. Because there's only one that can make you cleansed and justify you. And listen to what he says. He says in our text right there in verse 5, But to him who does not work, so you don't work, but you believe on him. And what does he do when you believe on him? He justifies who? The ungodly. The first thing you've got to step up to the plate this morning is to say, I'm ungodly. I'm ungodly. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned. Friends, it's not the righteous that gets justified. It's the ungodly in the eyes of God. Because you know why? There is no righteous. There's none of us going to ever be good enough. I want you to look at what he says. It's not by works. It's by faith. See, that's what happened to Israel. Israel tried to acquire it by works. That's why they rejected Jesus. Jesus became their stumbling stone and a rock of offense when he should have been the foundation of their salvation. I want you to hold your place right here. We're going to come back. Turn with me to chapter 10 in this same book. Paul explains it so wonderful. Listen to what he says right here in chapter 10, verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. God's chosen people, his Old Testament covenant people, the people of Israel. He's saying, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He's saying they're not justified. They're not righteous. And listen to what he says in verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They're excited about God. They believe in God. They're going through all kind of religious activity because of God. But Paul says they're not saved, friend. And he says, and my heart's desire is that they could be saved. I bear them witness. I'm here to tell you that they have a zeal for their God, but not according to knowledge. What do they not know? Look at what it says in verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. You see, there's God's righteousness, and then there's man's righteousness. And listen to what it says right there. Verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. The religious person who thinks, I'm good, I'm a Baptist, I've been in church all my life, I was born a Baptist. My people was a Baptist. 
Baptists ain't got nothing to do with it, and neither does any other religion that you represent in here. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only thing. When you stand before a holy, righteous God and expect to be able to stand and not be condemned, the only defense you're going to have is Jesus. You're not going to be able to say, I never missed Sunday school for 20 years. I got the pen. So what? I gave more money in that church than anybody else. So what? I did this and I did that. All of those things are like filthy rags because you're unclean. You're undone. And you're like a leaf in the wind being blown away, the Bible says. Friends, listen, righteousness of faith is the only thing that can justify the ungodly. Listen to what he goes on and says about them. Look at what it says. It says in verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Friends, the person who's religious, who's the do-gooder, who thinks they're good, that they're a nice person, they can't stand the gospel because the gospel, before it can save you, condemns you. Before the gospel can ever help you, it has to show you where you are. And listen to what it says in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law. That's the works of the law, keeping the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. If you look back in chapter 9, look at what it says in verse 30. It's right there. What shall we say then? The Gentiles, that's us, who did not pursue righteousness. They wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for them in Christ and found them. And it says that have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. The Gentiles received the gospel. Christ, Paul's writing to a church in Rome that's primarily Gentiles. Everywhere Paul's going, he's planting churches. The Gentiles are receiving it. Corinth, Ephesus, everywhere he's going, the Gentiles is exceeding Christ. And the Jews are rejecting him. Why? It tells you right here. Look at what it says. Verse 31. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness. What's that? The law of righteousness is trying to be righteous by going to church, by being good by quitting from doing certain things and committing to doing others. It's works. But friends, listen, not by works, but by faith are we made right with God. Listen to what he says in verse 31. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. They couldn't do it. And not only could Israel not do it, you can't do it, I can't do it, Shelby can't do it, the Baptist Convention can't do it. And guess what? Mama can't do it for you. The only one can do it for you is Jesus. Because listen to what he says. Why? He asked the big question. He says, because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by works of the law. Instead of putting faith in Jesus, the Messiah, his death on the cross, what Paul was preaching, they kept trusting in their works. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. What's the stumbling stone? Jesus, look at what it says, verse 33. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Who is him? Jesus is that stone. To us, he's the rock of our foundation that we stand on that saves us. To them, he's the rock of offense that stumbles them, that causes them to remain blind to grace, provision of God's salvation, and they're still trying to work. Guys, it's not only the Israelites who are doing it, there's Baptists doing it too. They've never been born again. They've never been set free. They're constantly comparing themselves to hoping I'm good enough. My name's on a roll. I've been baptized three times. There's no life change. There's no, I need to meet Jesus, but I think I know him. 
I hope I know him. Guys, listen, when you meet Jesus, you'll know you know him. You'll know you're good. Friends, listen, not because you change and are perfect, but because he gives you something that money can't buy, that your works can't earn. He gives you peace with God. Listen what Paul says we have through Christ. Flip back with me to chapter 5. We're going to do a little quick study of Romans this morning. Therefore, look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified. What's that mean to be justified? It means to be declared righteous. What does it mean to be declared righteous? It means that God looks at you as if you never sinned. You're not guilty. Amen. How do you get that way? You go to church every Sunday. No. You put faith in Jesus, Brother Witt. And listen what happens when you put faith in Jesus. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through what? Going to church, our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about y'all, but my peace don't come from my ability to do right. <laughs> if I was bending on Marvin doing right, my peace would be gone 90% of my time. Amen. My peace comes because Jesus did what I couldn't do. He lived a perfect, righteous life on this earth. He never sinned. And then he went to a cross for me that I deserve to go to, that you deserve to go to. And he hung on that cross willingly for a sacrifice for me and you. And when he died, his righteousness that only he had became our righteousness through him by faith. You know why? Because he was willing to take our sin upon him. God the Father now takes his righteousness and puts it on us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. There's a verse that is goes along with this. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's still talking about righteousness when he says, For he the Father made him the Son who knew no sin to be sin for us. That verse says that the Father's plan was to send his Son who would be sinless, who would have perfect righteousness, who wouldn't be unclean, whose righteous works wouldn't be filthy like rags, who would be perfect just like him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Where did he do that? On the cross. And when Jesus hung on the cross, the Father put all of the condemnation of all our sins. Who are all of us? It's available for the whole world, but it's only for those of us who believe, who trust. And he put all that sin on Jesus. Jesus took on all our sin. That's why Jesus feared that cup. The cup was a picture of the wrath of God. He said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Lord, please don't make me drink this cup. Because he knew it wasn't just physical death on the cross. It was the sins and the condemnation of being separated from his father, which had never happened. And what happened to Jesus on the cross? While Jesus hung on the cross there, it says that from 9 o'clock he hung till noon. And at 12 o'clock noon, it says it became darkest night till 3 o'clock. Because the wrath of God was pinpointed on a little hill called Calvary in a little place called Jerusalem as it was pouring out its wrath upon the Son of God. The whole sky turned black. And at about 3 o'clock, Jesus himself, the Son of God, perfect union, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who took on our sin, experience more than that physical death because he says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He said, oh God, where are thee? And friends, that's just what would happen to us. We would say, where are you? Why have you forsaken him? Because of what Christ was willing to take on himself, the, the sins of man. Now, 
man can expect to be able to take on him the righteousness of God. And that's the mystery of the righteousness of God. Because listen what he says, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know what God did? He took all of our sin and put it on his son Jesus. And Jesus took that sin and hung on the cross and accept as the propitiation. That's the atoning sacrifice. The sin that atoned, the, 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 the sacrifice that atoned for our sins to appease, to satisfy the righteous judgment of God. God is righteous he didn't just let us off the hook or he wouldn't be righteous anymore. But if he would have let us not have a chance to be saved and forgiven and made righteous, he wouldn't be love anymore. And I want you to think about this. God took the righteousness of Christ just like he took our sins and put on Christ. He took the righteousness of Jesus and put on us. And when God looks at us now, he sees the righteousness of his son Look at that, that we might become the righteous of God in him. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. This is so cool. When you look at our verse, look at what he says in verse 5, one more time, in chapter 4. But to him who does not work, you can't work, you can't do this on your own. You can only believe on him. And what does he do? He justifies the ungodly. And because of the person who believes on him, his faith is accounted for righteousness. How is that? Look at chapter 3 with me right quick. Look at verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Every one of us is under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You see, the law of God is the standard of God's righteousness. It perfectly represents what he says is right and wrong. And it perfectly represents what he wants us to live by. No one can do it. That's why it condemns everybody. Look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds, that's the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Anybody who's went to church every day, the door opened, but they've never been to Calvary, will be in for a big surprise. Everybody who's tried another religion in another way, when they stand before their God, whatever they call him, will stand before the one and only God, the creator of heaven and earth, Jehovah God, and they will look at him and they will say, what happened? We did everything we thought we were supposed to do. And Jesus said, no, that ain't the way it works. Because in verse 20 it says, therefore by the deeds of law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All the law can do is show you you're sinful. D.L. Moody said it this, the law shows me how crooked I am and grace comes along and straightens me out. But listen to what it says. But now, verse 21, the righteousness of God. Now that's what we're looking at this morning. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And that's what Paul said. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for in it is the, God, is the righteousness of God revealed. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the law and the Old Testament prophets, they, they witness, they testify of the righteousness of God, but they can't provide it. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, there it is, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Now pay attention because I'm fixing to show you something that is so unbelievably cool. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. Being justified. Remember what that means. Declared righteous as if we've never sinned. 
freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now look at this, verse 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's a legal word, just like when God justifies us. That's a legal act. God declares us justified, not guilty. Look at this. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. That word means an atoning sacrifice by His blood through faith. Why did He do that? To demonstrate His righteousness. Why is it so important to God to demonstrate His righteousness? Because God can never do anything that goes against His righteousness. And look what it says. Because in the forbearance, that means beforehand, God passed over the sins that were previously committed. Why? To demonstrate at the present time, right now, His righteousness. How did He do that? At the cross. What did He do? And look at this real close. Look at verse 26. God passed over the sins of the Old Testament people. Those sacrifices could never ever take care of their sins. It was just a picture of the coming sacrifice. Jesus himself that would be that propitiation that would reveal God's righteousness. Now remember, if God is righteous, can he just forgive us and let us off for doing all the things that we did? No, if he's righteous, someone's got to pay for breaking the law. Someone's got to pay for upsetting his holiness and God is just but God is also loving so look at this in this one verse it shows you how the love of God and the righteous justice of God meets together at the cross look at what it says in verse 26 to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What's that mean? How can God be just and the justifier? Because God didn't just let us off the hook. You're not going to get forgiven just for saying, God, forgive me. You're only going to get forgiven when you say, God, I'm going to get saved and trust Jesus. God forgives us not only because he loves us, but because Jesus paid the price we couldn't pay. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Friends, listen, God couldn't just forgive us. Though he wanted to, he loved us. So here's the love of God. And God's over here with the love. Lord, they're my people. I created them. I want to forgive them. I want to I set Joseph free. I want to deliver John. I don't want to condemn him. But God's also over here. He's holy. He's righteous. And he's just. And he cannot let sin off. So what does God do? God said, I know what I'm going to do. Son. You're going to go down there and pay the price that they can't pay. And you're going to go down there and you're going to die for their sins. And you see, when Jesus died on the cross, God still remained just. He did not let us off the hook. Jesus paid the price for us when he died on the cross. That's why the only way you can be saved is through Christ. That's the only way righteousness can be applied to your life and you can be justified. Listen to this. Not only is God just, he's the justifier. He's the one who made the provision for us to get justified, to be made righteous. It's kind of like this. I was on the phone one day, and I got one of those calls of those people that call you trying to sell you something. Y'all ever get them? And I usually hang up, and I'll be honest, I hang up 90% of the time. But my neighbor was an old man who was homebound. He was a soul winner. He had been crippled, and he'd been telling me, I pray for them calls because, man, I sold people I get to witness to anymore. So I said, I'm going to witness this person. And he had that talk. I knew he wasn't from America. So I said, hey, okay. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll listen to you. Will you listen to me? Because that's what Mr. Bob said he would do them. He said, okay. So he told me what he had to say. And I just, uh, I said, all right, I'll listen to you now. Let me ask you this. 
I said, do you believe in God? Oh, yes, yes, I believe in God. Well, he was a Muslim, so I started talking to him. I said, so you believe God is Allah? Oh, yes, Allah is God. Muhammad is God's prophet. I said, oh, okay, okay. I said, so, I said, so you believe that? Well, I'm a Christian. I said, I believe Jesus is God's son. Well, we, we, we believe Jesus is the prophet. I said, I know. So we had our little talk. I let him share what all he believed. I said, okay. I said, I believe you're sincere, and I believe you believe in God. I said, do you believe God is holy? Oh, yes, God is holy. Do you believe he's almighty? Oh, yes. Do you believe God is perfect and righteous and that he cannot stand sin? Oh, God hates sin. I said, okay, I got a question for you, Mr. Muslim. What do y'all do about your sin? Have you ever lied? Have you ever done something you don't want Allah to know about? He got real quiet. I said, man, well, we pray. I said, Praying, that's good, but it, what's it do about the fact that you sin? You got sin on your life. You see, I have the answer. Jesus died for my sin. He gave his life to take away my sin. When I stand before God, God's not going to look at me. I'm not going to be trusting in my praying and my going to church and my Ramadan and whatever all else they do. I'm going to be trusting in what God did for me. You're trusting in what you did for God. And no matter how hard you tried, you're not going to do enough to get rid of your sin. The only one who could do that was Jesus. God's not going to let you in, my friend, if he's holy and righteous and he's a just God. Because you have sinned. So how are you going to get in? He says, we don't have answer for that. And nobody else does. But the righteousness of God is the only one. Jesus is the only one who died for us. Friends, listen, God did much more than just forgive us. He justified us and he made us righteous. And because of the blood of Jesus, when we stand before holy God, he's going to look at us as if we never sinned. Does that not mean sin has an effect on you? Oh, yeah. Whatever man sows in this life, you're going to reap. But friends, listen to this. When you stand before God, you'll not be condemned. Because you'll be saved by the blood of Jesus and you'll be justified. This morning, I know there's people here who believe in God. There's people here who believe Jesus and the gospel. But the question is, have you put faith in it to the point you've trusted it? Just like Abraham with everything. To forgive you, to justify you, and to make you righteous. Are you still playing the Baptist religious trap of trying to do better and try harder? You'll never make God love you more by being trying to try harder. God loved you so much he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is where we find out why we came to church today. There's people in here this morning who's not saved. There's too many of us in here. Would you be the one today that Christ died for? And would you come and give glory to him and say, I'm going to put faith into action and I'm going to not be ashamed I'm coming to give my life to Christ we're going to stand and for the rest of us that are saved you ought to be celebrating right now because God don't see what you did this week you wish you didn't do he looks into you and sees the blood of Jesus ain't that awesome Miss Elena so I'm calling for that one who's lost who needs to come and be saved today is today have you ever truly gave your life to Christ does Christ live in you Today is today simply by coming and putting faith. What does that mean? 
admitting you're ungodly, admitting I can't work my way out of this condition of sinfulness. I'm unclean. I need to be cleansed. And Jesus, I'm coming to you by faith, and I'm going to trust you as best I can. And I'm looking to you, Lord, to save me, forgive me, cleanse me, and justify me. If that's you today, we are begging you to come. Would you come while you may? He's calling you, I know. So listen to his voice and come. Father in heaven, we've preached your word. We've heard the gospel. As best I could, I tried to 